0: Hello, badasses. Welcome to this week's episode of the Badass Ladies Club. This is Jessica. I'm here with my best friend, Laurie. Hey, what's up, y'all? And this week we are talking about ambiguous grief, um, which was lightly mentioned in an episode earlier, and we just thought that it was so poignant and important that we thought that we would do an episode on it. Um... But before we get started, per usual, we want to call someone out for being awesome. So this week's Badass of the Week
1: is our good friend, Adrian Wheeler. Adrienne is this really amazing, inspiring Canadian friend of ours. And she started the company called At My Solo Unfolding on Instagram, which is a group it's a community really that she started for divorced women really under this idea that like going through a divorce no matter what the circumstances are is really challenging and trying on several fronts and that the only um the only people that know what you're going through are people that know what you're going through and so what's so awesome about adrian is that she has this really amazing knack to give women permission to feel how they need to feel about what they're going through no matter what stage of your divorce you're in and and when i say no matter what stage i mean like people who decided yesterday to get a divorce i mean people who got a divorce 20 years ago i mean people who are separated who haven't gotten a divorce yet like wherever you are, if you have kids, if you don't have kids, if it was easy, if it was hard, like that there's just a myriad of emotions and shame and trauma and so much to deal with in that space um, that she created this really beautiful community for women to support each other through that. And it is a free membership, y'all, where really... She just has this beautiful heart of wanting to serve and to help. And Adrian is so inspiring to me just because I tend to have this brain where, like, everything that's a good idea, I'm like, hmm. Hmm, how can we monetize this? Right?
0: Like, oh, how can I how make, can we make money? money with this? And that's and she's over here being a saint. Like, right. no, I just want. <laughs> and she's to be like, a no, Lori. Like, I know I could make money off
1: of it, but actually, what's more important to me is to get help and resources to these women who need it. Yeah. And to tell them that there's not anything wrong with them, and that where they are is a hundred percent okay, and that it does get better, and that you can, you know, like have a really beautiful awakening of what's right for you. And my solo unfolding is just, it's a really great thing to watch and I'm not a divorced mom, you know, like, and so from the outside looking in, seeing what she's doing for these women, it just warms my heart. And so Adrian, uh, you are a freaking badass and she really
0: is. We so super awesome. Yeah.
1: Honor what you're doing yes. and want to have you on the podcast to talk more about it. Um, and to talk about the evolution of it, because I think that's the other really neat thing about what Adrian's doing is kind of like the Badass Ladies Club. She just had a passion and a vision and she didn't know what it meant and she didn't know what it was going to turn into, but she just jumped in headfirst and started trying things and has really been able to help so many people and change so many lives. So
0: Badass of the Week, Adrian, get on this podcast. And how perfect that we named Adrian Badass of the Week for ambiguous grief yes. because... Ambiguous grief is the grief experienced from the loss of a loved one who is still alive, accompanied by a change or death of a relationship. Um so talk about divorce, I mean, yeah. Like that is the um, death of a relationship, of a relationship that you intended to last until Forever. death. Right? You know,
1: like that that's a big loss. Um yeah. so yeah, Ambiguous grief is like, it wasn't until we started talking about this episode specifically that I even had a word for what it was, you know, mm-hmm. like it was just like grieving relationships, people, things that are still here, you know, as opposed to like traditional grief where like something's dead or gone right. and you it's can't gone. go back to it, it's you know, lost. like yeah. um ambiguous grief is this really weird thing where like you could go back to it, right, even though it was you shouldn't or, it you know, is there, there's a reason why you've decided that's not
0: right for you anymore. Right. So to give you guys an idea of at least where I am with this episode, Laurie and I, we've been talking about doing an episode on grieving someone who is still oh alive. Gosh. Since for, the beginning. For, forever. And it just never felt right. I was looking at it from a perspective of friendships that I had lost. Mm. Um, of women who I thought were like family and that were really good friends of mine who turned out really hurting me and um, grieving the loss of those friendships or, you know, relationships of ex-boyfriends or, you know, ex-girlfriends, whatever you do, you know. Grieving a relationship that, like, you don't see that person anymore. So, like, I don't see those girls anymore. I don't see ex-boyfriends anymore or, you know, whatever the situation is. Well, then, Charlotte, from two episodes ago when we were talking about her son Noah, I mean, Charlotte just brought it up. And I felt like it was a sign from the universe when Charlotte said, I mean, word for word, she said, that she was grieving her son, even though he's still alive. Right. And I was like, okay, universe, I hear you. Let's talk about grieving people who are still still alive. But from Charlotte's perspective, she has to see her son every day. Yeah. And he's completely different after his stroke than he was before. And she's grieving
1: the Noah before the stroke, right. you know? Like
0: completely normal teenager.
1: While being so grateful. Right. That she still has Noah at all, you know, and that that is like, talk about heavy emotional navigation. Right. You know, like, and learning how to, like, you know, they say, like, you can't have, um, that you can't experience two opposite emotions at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I believe that. Like, yeah. that is truly what she's doing, you know, is being so sad for the loss, right. but so grateful for,
0: yeah, the life. Yeah. So ambiguous grief can go a lot of different ways. Like I said, loss of a romantic relationship, loss of a friendship. All right? Loss of a job or mm-hmm. of a career that,
1: you know, like that you put down on purpose, but that there's still grief around it, you know, like that when you end a chapter, that that's like a death. Mm-hmm. That is allowing something else to be born, but it's still a death, you know, like, and there's still a lot of grief with the letting go part of it,
0: you know, like in order to move into new feeling like, oh my gosh, I was so responsible for this place. I Mm let all these people and now I don't have it. And yeah, so that's a whole other layer we talked about um, when we were preparing grief of a place. Yeah, you like, know, talk about, like, all these hurricanes happening right. and what New Orleans was like before Katrina. Right. Or after Katrina.
1: You know, like, yeah. that you're grieving what it once was right. while still being because, glad that it exists,
0: but, you right, know, like... because it's like the culture of those places never changes, but the culture of those places change, yeah. you know? Like, or can we
1: talk about the grief of what America was 30 years ago versus what it is today? Right. You know, like, that... It was a totally different country and well, you know, like and, you know,
0: nine, like, 9-11 just happened and yeah. I don't know about anyone else. Um, I always get weird around nine eleven. Mm, same. I always get anxious. I always get weird. I always get weepy. I always mm-hmm. get sad. Um, and yes, a lot for what 9-11 means, but also because I miss nine twelve. Oh my God. Yes. And that we are not that America anymore. I don't think we ever have been since then.
1: (laughs) You know, like, that that was really, like, one of the last, uh, stands as far as, like, unity was concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like, that huge events happen, or huge changes happen, and sometimes, even though we're ready, we're not ready. Right. And that the processing of the grief around that is a real thing, and, um... So, yeah, let's get into it. Um, I think we should start with relationships. Mm -hmm. And probably, like, some of the most familiar um, relationships would be, like, romantic relationships. But I know you and I are really aligned on this idea of, like, grieving friendships that had to go.
0: Yeah. We have a lot of experience in that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think that
1: a big piece of that for me, like... Is that you just outgrow people sometimes, you know, like in that we're all on these different paths and that, you know, you can thank the holistic psychologist for my uh, terminology of this idea of trauma bonding, you know, like um, trauma
0: bonding that uh, honestly, that needs to be an episode. We'll we'll put that on the list. Um, Let me do that. (laughs) But that
1: there are most of the relationships that were friendships and romantic relationships, now that I'm thinking about it, that needed to go. They needed to go because we were in a trauma bond and that it was so hard, like that trauma bonding connects you to people in such a visceral way. But it also keeps you from growing and moving forward and that if I'm going to grow and move forward, that means I have to let go of right, this relationship. Right, because your
0: identity of this trauma that defines you is wrapped up in this relationship. Yeah. So, and like, oh, we've both been addicts. Yes. We've both been um, children of divorce. Mm-hmm. We've both been um, victims of violence. We've mm-hmm. both been, you know what I mean, Um and that if you're not in a relationship or a friendship where someone's willing to shift out of that, that's, that's all you have that's, it, yeah. is to commiserate
1: on this traumatic experience. And I find that it happens a lot more probably with women mm-hmm. where, and I have friendships that have happened on both sides, right? So there's been friendships I've had where all we had in common was what it is we complained about. And what it was that we validated for each other that you were so wronged or yeah, like that's so wrong.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that I recognize that that's not good for me and that it doesn't feel good ultimately to do it, even though I'm kind of addicted to the feeling of complaining with you, you know. But then when I try and shift out of it, that we don't have anything left to talk about, you know, and um, that being able to outgrow one another and understand that maybe this relationship is not something that moves forward with me on the path that I'm going on, um, feels like a betrayal,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, like you are betraying that relationship, that friendship, that, you know, romantic, whatever it is, if that's what it is that you're saying, no, I can't be here with you anymore because I'm ready to move past this. Right. And if that means I have to move past it without you, then that's what that means. And in this, you know, like indoctrination where loyalty is, you know, put above your own needs, Mm -hmm. like so much of what I've learned, you know, is that I've been conditioned to overlook what I need in order to be polite or so I don't hurt your feelings. Like that is a lie it is a straight up lie and it is okay to leave people behind that are still working through the process that you're ready to let go of.
0: Like no matter who they are, no matter who they are. Um, yeah. And that could be family. It could be anybody, anybody. I don't care who it is. Like, and that doesn't mean it has to be forever. Oh no.
1: Um, I have also had friends that I needed to outgrow that have come back around, you know, like Mm -hmm. years later and it's not even like come back around. We needed to talk about what happened. We didn't, you know, like we can, but we didn't have to, like, it's just this understood thing that now I've grown past it too. And we can come back around full circle. Um, But then I've also had friendships where we have to sit down and address that together. Like that our friendship was close enough that we could agree that it's time for like, let's not get off on that tangent. Right. Let's focus on something else, you know, like, and that some friendships and people are self aware enough to do that with you. And that doesn't mean that you have to leave, you know, the Mm -hmm. relationship that you can grow past that together, but sometimes it doesn't. And then you just have to grieve the loss of that right? and honor what you needed
0: to do to move forward. And love yourself enough to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that sometimes that's really hard. God, especially for women who are in toxic relationships. Yes. With men specifically. Yes. I mean, I I can't speak to, like, same-sex relationships. Oh, although there's I know those that, two, you know? I know like, that it exists within... there. <laughs> like, done that. guess how I know. Yeah. Um, I can't speak from experience Mm. on that. You know what I mean? Like, and I know that people in same sex relationships like, um, experience it too. But, um, for me, you know, um, we, yes, as women, I feel are so conditioned to be loyal out of politeness. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Y'all, I don't want to, like, this is a totally different thing, but, like, this Gabby Petito case. Oh, my gosh. I, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts.
1: It's, um, it's a collective female pain body, what yes, happened to her. Yeah. that, um,
0: you know, I mean, obviously, we don't know the full story. We don't know what happened behind closed doors in that relationship, but I can venture to guess. I don't need to guess. That, um... There was some definite—I mean, you can see it on the body camera footage of how she's like, oh, no, I was in a bad mood. It's my mm-hmm. fault. I—blah, blah, blah. Like, honey, no. And even those cops were like, this is an opportunity for you to get out of a toxic relationship. Right. They could see it from where they were yes. standing. Oh, which, okay. But anyway, like, that's just heavy on my heart right now yes. because that's what's currently that's happening. happening.
1: Yeah. But, um, But, yeah. So— I guess that's the other thing that's interesting about this idea of processing grief, whether it's ambiguous or not, is that when you've had something traumatic that is that close to you and then you decide that it's time to let it go and you're in the process of trying to let it go, that doesn't mean that it doesn't make you feel really empty and hollow once it's gone. Like, mm-hmm. even though it was hurting you, even though it wasn't good for your growth, even though it wasn't part of what your future was about, when it's not there anymore, it leaves a hole. And um, and it's really up to each person to decide what to fill that hole with. You know, right. like, ideally, you're able to fill it with something that feels better and that is more right. constructive for where you're going. But sometimes you don't. Like, I know a lot of times when that hole was there. That's what was really easy to fill with alcohol. Yeah. That's what was really easy to fill with drugs. You know, like the loss of it didn't make me want to fill it with great things. It made me want to punish myself, you know, and feel (laughs) worse, you know, and that, um, and sometimes I think that that's human nature. And sometimes I just think that that's because I came up in the 90s and that was kind of the thing, you know? <laughs> that it was, was like, like
0: the culture, yeah. Well,
1: that you had that kind of dark, it's all for nothing, right. you know, like outlook on the world. But um, I mean, it was
0: the Nirvana times. It, it was. <laughs>
1: um, but all of these years later, now when I have the hole, it's so amazing what happens when you fill the hole with the good things. Oh my God, Instead of with the painful things and the punishing things, you know? Um, And that seems like such a simple idea, but like the hardest thing in the world to take action on.
0: Totally hard. I mean, I've been in relationships before where I was literally told, I'm afraid you're going to outgrow me. Yeah. Word for word. Yeah. I'm afraid you're going to outgrow me. And that's a clue. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really hard because that's like a sign of, I mean, let's be honest, the beginning of the end was probably way earlier than that. But if you needed like a clear cut sign, yeah. oh, okay. So are you going to grow or? Or am I supposed to right. stop? like stop? Like, I don't know what you this means. You don't want me to grow. Yeah. And that's also like kind of what we talked about, you know, a little bit with Charlotte is like. You know, I'm not the same person. No. I don't want to be the same person. I don't want to be that person stuck in this cycle, like, so sick of myself. Yes. I don't want to be that person. And people who are okay being in that, like, hamster wheel, Mm -hmm. I'm like, you guys have fun doing that. I cannot. And those are relationships that, like, even though I love those people, it's still really hard to walk away. You know— It goes back,
1: I know that we talked about in the last episode, our episode with Eva that never made air. Um, But one of my favorite things that she always says that I feel to my core with this topic we're on right now is that I trust people. Mm -hmm. So if I'm outgrowing you and that means that we can't be in whatever relationship that we're in anymore, I trust that you're going to find your way without me and that it's okay that we're doing this because I trust you, you know, like I don't need you to keep up with me to grow at the same pace as me to evolve the same way that I'm evolving. Right.
0: I'm always going to cheer for you. Right.
1: Like I want you to do well. I trust you. Even if I don't understand you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even if I'm not going the same direction as you, you know, like I trust your process and your journey. And that is a really easy thing to say. Mm hmm a really hard thing to put into practice when you love whoever this person is and you want what's best for them. And maybe you see them stepping in front of the freight train. You have to trust that the freight train is supposed to do what it's supposed to do, you know? And if they don't have the foresight to step out of the way, that's part of their journey, you know? And that in this whole, do I stay here in the trauma bond with you or do I move on? That you're not doing yourself any good, not going on your journey. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that there is a lot of grief. Yeah. That comes around that.
0: Another um, ambiguous grief situation that can be with people in relationships, and this isn't something that I have a whole lot of experience in, but I've witnessed with other people, is um, experiencing family members or people close to them going through Alzheimer's or dementia. Yes. Um, That's also under the ambiguous grief umbrella. And that, I mean, obviously you're looking at this person who you once, not once loved, but that you love so much, but they're not there. They're different. Anymore. They're different. And it's kind of, um, taking a moment to realize that, you know, there's still that beautiful person from the past. It's just different now. Yeah. Um, when
1: I was young, I wish I could tell you exactly how old I was. I feel like I was like 12, maybe, or 13 years old. Um, My grandfather had a huge brain aneurysm um, where they like, you know, cut open his head and took out big parts of his brain, basically. And, you know, like I remember it happening and him, you know, like nearly dying and it being a miracle that he survived a brain surgery. And then, you know, like he had to recover from that. And there were parts of him that were the same. Yeah. But there were also parts of him that were never the same. And, you know, like he lived until I was in my 30s. So I have as much, if not more of his life, you know, after the aneurysm as before. And, you know, I changed so much in the years after he had the aneurysm that it's almost kind of hard for me to remember what he was like before that. But I do always remember thinking about my grandmother Mm -hmm. and like for their life, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: how hard that must have been for her to know who you married and who you had children with and who you did life with, you know, and then for things to change so dramatically, kind of on the same ideas of what we were talking about with Charlotte, where there is so much grief for what was lost. And so much gratitude for the fact that they're still there, you know? Um, And I know that that's true of people who've, like, survived cancer, you know? Like, that you are the same person, but you're different, you know? Like, um, it's—so, yeah, like, any kind of medical uh, circumstance or illness, but definitely things that affect the brain Mm -hmm. and the dementia and the Alzheimer's, you know? Like, that— that is a really hardcore grieving
0: process
1: that you go through. I
0: remember one of my clients, this was years and years ago, her mom had a stroke. Mm. And she said that after the stroke, her mom was just mean. Mm. But the but her mom didn't see that, that her mom was like, what do you mean? I'm the same person. Right. So like she didn't even recognize like who she was before. Yeah. And she's like, no, this is me. And my client just said, that is not my mom. Yeah, She's still here and I love her, but I'm not leaving my kids alone with her. She's mean. She yells. She's impatient. She's, you know, all these things. And I was like, I mean, and that was long before I started any of this like inner work I've been doing on myself. So that's when I was a lot younger and didn't really know how to handle big feelings like that. But looking back on that, I'm like, oh, my God, that is hard. It's intense, man.
1: Yeah. Um, I was watching a documentary a couple of months ago about excess And lead singer, oh, my gosh, I can't remember his last name. His first name is Michael, I think, um, had like a traumatic brain injury. And after he had this traumatic brain injury, like personality-wise, it changed everything. Like the brain is just so amazing how Mm -hmm. different parts of it control different behavioral or memory or personality type things. Um, And it just made him really volatile and hostile and kind of like do crazy things that nobody knew, you know, like what to expect out of him. Which on some fronts makes you a really great frontman and performer, I was
0: about to you know, say, like, like the greatest
1: artist ever. Um, but also terrifying to people that love you and you know, like people that knew you the way that you were before. Um, but even without the injury, and this is something that just kind of struck me as we were talking about this. Like, yeah, we all change, though, even without injuries and brain damage, and you know, like things. That sometimes, or I'm sure that there are people who grieve who I used to be, (laughs) you know, like that I'm a lot different, you know, um, than I was 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. one year ago, you know, like that it's, that you have to let people be who they are. And um, that sometimes that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong that somebody changed and you can just grieve, you know, like Maybe not who they were, but who you thought they were. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, like we all have these ideas of who we think people are. And maybe sometimes they'll play along with us for a little while. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: then eventually you're going to see who they really are or who they've come to be. And you got to let them be that, you know, and that there may be a little bit of grief there in the loss of who you thought they were.
0: Mm
1: I know when I'm grieving people that are still alive, friendships um, especially, that I'm quick to recognize that I may not—it may not have been them that changed. It may have just been that I thought that they were—I wanted them to be someone different, and I was refusing to see who they actually were until I couldn't not see it anymore. So I'm just grieving my perception of them, Mm -hmm. but maybe not anything to actually do with who they really were. Like we play tricks on ourselves and we need people to fill certain roles for us. And no matter what they do, sometimes we're willing to look the other way to preserve this idea of who we think they are. And then finally, one day we wake up and we're like, oh my gosh, who are you? I can't even have you in my life anymore. And then I'm grief stricken about something that was really
0: something I made up Right. In the first place. You know, like <laughs> yeah. And you gotta look at yourself and be like, mmm, now why did I do that? You did that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> interesting, Laurie. Like yeah.
0: interesting. Uh yeah. Um okay, so what else was on the list? We've gone through relationships, people and people. places, like so you know, like
1: grieving workplaces. We talked a little bit about like childhood homes. Like when your parents sell your childhood home and you're like grieving the loss of your childhood, or um, sometimes, like, I know anytime I go back to Oklahoma City. Things look so different there. Oh, and I'm like, oh, my God, my neighborhood doesn't look anything like it did before. Yeah. Or my high school is totally different now. Like, it doesn't even look like the same place I went to high school. So, like, grieving things from your childhood because they're different and mm-hmm. you move away and you go back and you're like, oh,
0: my God, what is all this? Well, you know what another one is on that subject that Hugh and I didn't talk about earlier when we were prepping this? It's just grieving time. <laughs> All the time, because you know you're talking about like looking back on your high school and being like, "Oh my gosh, it's so different." Um, when I am around younger people, and like, there's all these new words and terminology and ways of uh, talking. Technology has changed, oh my gosh, so like. Yes. Teenagers experiencing teenagehood now is completely different from the way that I experienced teenagehood from the difference that my parents experienced teenagehood, you know, or that Adelaide will experience it. Yeah. Like that grieving time and thinking like, wow, things aren't what they used to be. Kids now are taking nudes of themselves on Snapchat. And I was watching... Fresh Prince of Bel Air, right. you know, like or the Muppets. Or, you know, kids today probably don't even know who the Muppets are, you know. And <laughs> like, would not be entertained. I would that not at be all. entertained. Um, so yeah, grieving time is also a big one when time just changes things. And then you look back and you're like, what is going on here? Well, that's
1: a big shift. I mean, I've always said about my age range. Like, being born in 1978 to, like, 1982-ish, those four years in there are really interesting because I remember before there was... I mean, there were barely phones and answering machines when I was a kid growing up, (laughs) you know? Like, they were rotary phones. Right. Um, There definitely were not cell phones. And you absolutely went all day, every day, without people being able to track you down when you left the house.
0: Wasn't that awesome? It was. And then... I remember if you weren't home. Right. You
1: weren't home. You weren't home. And that even like not everybody had an answering machine. So sometimes when you wanted to call and talk to somebody, the phone would just ring and no one would answer and they'd never know that you called. Right. Or if you had an answering machine, then you had to actually like
0: rewind the tape and check the messages, you know? Like I love telling younger kids that like there used to be a number that you could call to find out the time and weather. Yeah and i remember dialing phone numbers without the area code
1: oh my gosh yes or you remember uh checking movie times yes. on the movie phone like <laughs> there's just so many things about that that or when we used to have to print mapquest directions all the time <laughs> or when you took a picture and you didn't know what it looked like until you printed it you <laughs> right. know like that there are just so you many things to wait things for film to develop yeah, <laughs> that you'll never know what it's I know. like um in respect to grieving time, there's also, like, times of your life, you know, like, even just talking about my solo unfolding and Adrian and stuff, like, I think about relationships that I had that are gone. Like, I noticed the other day that this guy that I dated from, like, ni- barely 19, like, barely 19 until I was, like, 21, um, he got married. And it's so funny cause like when he and I were together, he was a lot older than I was. He was a lot older than I was. And so looking at it now, I'm like, okay, so I was the young 19 year old arm candy style girlfriend at the time. Go me. Right. <laughs> but in that time, I kind of thought I would marry that guy, you know, yeah. like, and that, and thank God I didn't, you know, it would not have been cool. Like I'm, It was such a great thing that that's not what happened. Um, And I'm so grateful to him because he dumped me, you know, like that I needed that at the time, even though it was really difficult and hard, but that seeing him get married all of these years later, you know, uh, I'm just so happy for him that that's what he ended up with. And that that seems like it, like I kind of grieve that time in my life, you know, because now I scale back and look and I'm like, okay, yeah. So like I was the young, hot girlfriend. Interesting. You know, like that wasn't my experience at the time that I was right. having. But now I can see that that was the time that I
0: was having and I'll never have that again. You know, right. like <laughs> now. Oh, um, oh God, remember when I was the arm candy? Really? I didn't even like, realize it. <laughs> Or
1: um, things like somebody was talking on the internet the other day about their daughter auditioning to be a cheerleader. And like how... Intimidating it was and how scared she was, but that when she got in, you know, like how it was the most exhilarating feeling and that she was just so proud for her and stuff. And I thought, ugh, I remember auditioning to be a cheerleader, you know, like I remember the anxiety that came with it and how much I picked apart every single thing I did and how badly I wanted it and how when I got in, I was like so surprised, you know, like even though I wanted it and I knew I was like, are you kidding me? Like (laughs) you want me, you know, like I actually get to do that. And that those types of experiences, um, yeah, like that you, you don't get to do that again. A lot of times, um, and I just think that the older you get and the more stages of life that you roll through, you just begin to appreciate things on a different level. Oh god, yes. And there is a little bit of grief that's associated with it and then you start to feel like a really old person because like I want to go up to those 15-year-old girls and be like, "Oh, you should enjoy this time of your life." <laughs> right? And then you're like And then I'm like I hated it no. when people said that to me Why when I was you a teenager. Say that? Like, like, "Yeah, like, don't be that this old right lady." Right now. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, like there is a lot of grief in that like time of of your life passing and being like, okay, yeah. interesting. I would not go back with all <laughs> of that being said. like, I'm real happy to be where I'm at right now. But yeah, times of life, man. Ambiguous grief. So maybe we should talk about what to do in the grief process because we've talked a lot about like different types of ambiguous grief.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But so much of any kind of processing c- Hard things and hard emotions it really just comes down to like what do you need to do to take care of yourself? I got you, okay. Tell me about it.
0: And this is from an article guys. just putting it out th- this out there. But I also have my own thoughts about these things. okay. Remember that the pat or hello, words are hard. Remember that the present does not override the past. Yes. Easier said than done, right? Right. Um, That even if what is happening now is hurtful. Right. That this person hurt you with their words, their actions, whatever that may be. Right. That doesn't change beautiful moments that you had before. I love that so much. Yeah. That's so true. That you can still be like, wow, what an asshole. But they gave me this really beautiful moment in time. Yeah. I mean, talk about like divorced couples, Mm -hmm. right? Like divorced couples who had babies. They could probably look back on the births of their children. Most of the time, I'm sure there's been a lot of births that (laughs) like people are fighting and, you know. Um, But usually after giving birth, you're such in a euphoric state that you can look at your partner together or separate and be like, Oh my God, look at what we made. What a beautiful gift. Yeah. You know? Um, and I'm only speaking from experience on that one just cause I've had a baby and I know like what a beautiful moment that was. Um, so choosing to cherish the positive memories and having that gratitude for those moments. You want to hear something really funny? Yes. So the, what I think about when
1: you're talking about this, like, really beautiful moment that it's, you know, over now, but at the time you were like, oh, my God, look at what we did. Reminds me of, because I never had a baby, um, of when a vacation's over.
0: Yes. <laughs> and you're, like, yes, crushed
1: that it's over. But, like, don't be sad it's over. Be happy that it happened.
0: Right. Like, the most cliche thing in the world. But, yeah, like, you, you can, a person can hurt you but it could be like a vacation where you're like this was the most beautiful thing I've ever done in my life it's like every time I leave New Orleans like I cry because I miss the food but I'm I'm (laughs) saying though is it
1: wrong that I'm comparing the birth of your child to a vacation that's over like no okay good it's not (laughs) okay good I support that um okay I'm in fine
0: Um, all right so what else do we do understand that the illness isn't the person so this is more so for like Grieving the loss of a relationship because of a mental illness mm. or because of, like we were saying, dementia, Alzheimer's. Right. That the person is not that illness and the illness is not that person. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which Holding is a really space for that. hard thing to, yeah, separate, I'm sure. Right. But. Whether it be addiction. So, addiction is under that addiction, dementia, a brain injury, mental illness, or anything else. It's important to understand the illness. Yeah. And to just be educated on that and, um, not to put blame toward the person. Yeah. Cause if it's not, um, yeah, that the illness is not the person. I like mm-hmm. the way they say that. Yeah. Acknowledge the grief and pain of the loss. Um, it's important to give yourself permission mm-hmm. to do that and to not have to feel like you have to suck it up and, power through and have a stiff upper lip and not be emotional about it. It's okay to have those feelings. Um, And it's better to acknowledge and express the pain of the loss rather than ignoring and avoiding the pain. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you don't feel it, it will rise up in other ways. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's no running from it.
0: Right. Um, And we've talked about that on past episodes where, like, you and I, anytime we were having a shitty day or going through an emotion, we would drink. Right. Just stuff it down. Just stuff it in there. Pour some tequila on it. It's good. Like, but now in our healing journeys, it's like, I'm going to allow myself to feel this. And that's why we cry all the time. I mean, (laughs) on our Marco Polo's. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Um, be open to a new type of relationship. I think that is so important. Yes. Um, that, yes, the relationship will inevitably change. Um, but it's not entirely a bad thing. And will that new relationship be easy? No. Um, and, you know, when I'm reading this, I think of probably people who choose to, like, disassociate from their parents. Mm-hmm. I, I never want to know what that feels like. I couldn't imagine that. But I know of a lot of people who came from pretty narcissistic parents or abusive parents or, you know, where it's like, you got to kind of change that relationship where, like, Yes, I'm your kid. Yes, you're my parent, but this is a new path for us. And I have this boundary now, and this is what that looks like. Also goes with being open to a new change in that relationship. That is, like,
1: exactly what you just talked about is some of the most amazing people I know who have come from, like, I mean, abuse is a pretty broad word anymore. (laughs) You know, like, there's lots of people things constitute as abuse. Right, right. But I, the people who have parental relationships still with parents who have done horribly abusive things to them, Mm -hmm. you know, like that, that they can still have relationships at all means that you just get to this place where you're willing to look at your relationship differently. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that that is so healing and so beautiful that even though, no, but everybody could look at your situation and say, yeah, you were severely wronged and it would be okay if you never wanted to have a relationship with that person again, that they're still willing to forgive and, you know, step out of it and say, let's reframe this relationship in a way that we can both still have each other in our lives. Like, yeah, yeah, that's some powerful stuff.
0: Um, connect with others who can relate. Um, when many can't relate to an ambiguous loss, finding a support group can be helpful. So, um there's support groups for caregivers to those with dementia. Oh yeah. That would be huge. So important. Um groups like Al-Anon or Nar-Anon for family members of those with addiction. Mm-hmm. And groups like I'm going to butcher this. NAMI, N A M I. Okay. Nami, Nami, who offer um, groups for family of those with mental illness. Those are all really great. My um, solo unfolding for yeah, women yeah, from my divorce. Solo like for divorces, there's so many yeah. um,
1: resources out there to be able to because mm-hmm. it feels so good to be seen. Yeah, like when we're struggling and suffering with grief or loss of any um, kind, it really is helpful to feel supported by people who are walking that same Mm -hmm. path or have walked it before. Um, so yeah, getting help also just like knowing what you need to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like some people are really nurtured by being outside and being in nature. And so if you're having a really difficult time, um, knowing when to get outside, you know, and struggling. Or some people are like, no, what I need to take care of myself is sleep. So, Me. Yeah, right. <laughs> so if what you need is sleep. I love to sleep. Then take a freaking nap, you know, <laughs> like it's okay. If, yeah. you know, some people need to, you know, get get in the tub, like, okay, then go take a bath. Like whatever you need to do to reset and feel good and take care of yourself, like don't feel like anything that you need is not allowed to you. You know, like when you're in grief mode, do what is necessary to take care of yourself so you can heal, you know, and that that looks different for everybody.
0: right? And don't martyr yourself for everyone. No, I'm over that. I lived so much of my adult life being a martyr and just being like, you know, well, I have to, because if I don't, then that's a lie and it's all bullshit. and. Hell, I still struggle with it. I had a friend the other day
1: that was like, it wasn't as much grief as it was just like she had been so social (laughs) for so long and she's not a very social person that it was more like I need to, I need some me time and I need to recharge (laughs) and I don't want to, um, like she was basically telling me I want to hang out with you but I can't hang out with you right now because I can't hang out with anybody because I like need a right. minute, you know? And I was like, and good, like, oh God, like yes. please do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Like, it's okay. And she said, well, I just don't want anybody to think that I'm like depressed or something. And I was like,
0: who freaking cares what anybody thinks? Right. Like, and don't. Even if you are, like,
1: okay. Well, and if all you want to do is hang out in your house and watch movies and, you know, like hermit up for a minute do that. You know, like giving yourself permission to do what you need to do to take care of yourself, regardless of what it looks like to anybody on the outside, like you're calling the shots. You're the one that gets to make those decisions.
0: Yeah. Sorry for my inappropriate outburst of like sort of a laugh there. That wasn't funny. (laughs) It just reminded me of, um, that meme, I think I just shared it on Facebook this weekend where <laughs> it's Rami Malek as... Oh, my God, um, yes. I, I you talking about. As, as Freddie. Uh, as Freddie Mercury. Yeah. And it's, like, me when I go out for a night, and it's him as Freddie Mercury, like... On stage. On stage, I, performing. <laughs> and then it's, like, me recovering for three weeks after a social night out, and it's Rami Malek, like, in his hoodie, like... Hiding. Hiding. Said, <laughs> so, oh, my God, yes. Yeah, yep. it is so me. I feel it. <laughs> so, if you find yourself
1: processing or dealing with ambiguous grief, or maybe it's like grief from a long time ago that you never, you know, process, like process yeah. that you are ready to deal with now, just remember that, um, whatever you need to do is valid and, and
0: that we're okay. here to hold space for that. Yes. You may not know us. We may not know you, Dunham. but we, um, energy for some energy
1: for that energy does not care about time or space or relationships. Mm -hmm. Like, um, it just works and flows. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, you guys take care of yourself, process that ambiguous grief so it doesn't rise up and leave a lot of room and space for the people around you that are maybe doing that as well. You don't know what people are going through sometimes. Like,
0: yeah. What else did we not cover? I think we about nailed it. Yeah, I don't know. Are those TikTok leggings that you're wearing? Yes, I, I can't know. believe that I've been wearing them all day, and you just now noticed. Like, I, know.
1: Um, I actually kind of forgot that I even bought these. But uh, shout out to our good friend Danielle Schultz, um, <laughs> who we used to work with, but then she decided to move to Michigan. I have some ambiguous grief about this. Okay. <laughs> right. um, but this morning when I was like trying to figure out what to wear and I'm going through my closet, um, I found these TikTok leggings and all I could hear was Danielle in my head saying, your ass Damn, looks great in your those Like, <laughs> And so I decided, um, yeah, I miss my friend. And Aww. so I'm going to wear the hot Shout ass leggings. To Danielle. Shout out to Danielle. All right. So, yes, on... sorry.
0: <laughs> I, I just had to ask. I, I just liked the way had to we ask.
1: <laughs> this, uh, episode, get you some TikTok leggings. <laughs> your ass looks great in that, by the way. And. you guys have a badass day. Thank you guys.